0: Okay, greetings. Uh, first of all, latest news from Burgundy is that the harvest started uh, last week, um, early-ish last, probably about Wednesday for most people in the Cape, de, or for a number of people in the Cote de Beaune, the early people. Um, others started this weekend, the weather has stayed pretty good, a little bit of rain on Tuesday, there's a few showers forecast for coming up, but it won't be enough to uh, derail quality of what we have. And it's a nice um, nice size crop, uh, 40, 40 hectares a hectare in, in uh, red and 50 in white, probably. So that's, it's not as big as 17 reds or 18 whites, but, but it's a good healthy size, which uh, will um, fill up the barrel cellars, which is good. And it looks as though the wines will be uh, pretty good and uh, the alcoholic degrees, the sugar levels haven't got too high. Um, and uh, there's no disease of any sort or virtually none. And um, yeah, it's encouraging at any rate. That's news at the moment. And I'll probably go on for another uh, week or so the harvest or a bit longer in the Côte de Right, today's subject is uh, the Grand Cru Charme chambotin um, which is often slightly devalued because there's so much of it. There's 18 hectares, which can call themselves... Um, uh, which are pure Sharm Chambetan, but a total of 30 hectares which can be called Sharm Chambetan because there are 12 hectares of Meswayer uh, Chambetan, which could go either under its own name or under the name of Sharm Chambetan. And most people, a lot of people who've got both will put them together as Sharm. Uh, even people who've only got Meswayer will quite often sell it as Sharm, sort of sexier, more interesting name. Every village has got a charm of one or another. I mean, uh, in pilini there's a village, vineyard called Charme. In Merceau, it's a premier crew. Um Misele Charme, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just in chevre town that the vineyard called Charme has got to be a grand crew. Um, we don't know, rather frustratingly, the origin of this name, uh, uh, which we ought to know since it's in every village. Um, there are various different theories. One is that they used to have uh, hornbeam trees, which are charmy in French, um, planted in the area. One is that it's a corruption of a uh, another word for rock, um, but I doubt if that's the case. I would like to believe that they were called Charm all these vineyards, simply because the wines are so charming, but I don't think that can work historically, because in those days people didn't separate out make separate cuvées, But it's pretty much the case that Charm, wherever it is in a uh, village, is on the lower part of the slope, and uh, with a certain amount of topsoil, and tends to give softer, more generous wines, um, compared to vineyards, which are closer to the rock. And that is the case of Charm Chambotin. And it is, I think, a mistake that they have allowed people to put Charm and uh, Air together, because the wines of Maswayer tend to be quite different. The topsoil is different. It's a lighter colour in Maswayer and there are more stains near the surface. Sharm it's a slightly richer, redder soil, uh, which would indicate a little bit about of, <coughs> a little bit of iron oxide in the soil to give that red colour. Um, <clears throat> another reason why Sharm has been a little bit devalued is if you count the two vineyards together, there is a section in Maswayat which goes right down to the main road, which other Grand Cru's, apart from Claude Bouchot, don't do. Um, And there's a view that maybe somebody got greedy and added that bit when it can't be as good. But actually, if you look at the geology, you will see that the geology there is very similar to the rest of it, um, which is not true of other bits that go down to the main road. Uh, Just a sort of freak of geology. But as it happens, our three producers today all have Sharm Shambhatan in the Sham path. And I'm just gonna try and share my screen, but it often hasn't worked in the past. Uh, I don't have enough bandwidth or something like that. Uh, And I've also got to find the document which I want, which currently I'm not seeing. Um, So I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, If not, I can send it through to you afterwards. But um, I have succeeded in working out the exact plots of our three producers um, today. So if I can get that to you in a second, I shall. Even while I'm Thank talking, you. I'm just playing around with things behind the scene. So they're not the biggest producers uh, in Sham because the biggest of all is frankly Indifferent, which is Domaine uh, Camus, Hubert Camus. Um, the only saving grace about it is that almost all the grapes these days are sold on to aspiring Négociants, some, some of the big names, but also um some of the uh exciting sort of smaller scale um negotiations now can you see a map there or are you still seeing me you can see the map You can see the map right can you see it in enough detail to make any sense yep, yep. Yes. Good. yes okay so i've written in, in re- <laughs> if we look at the map at the bottom of your screen is the border with maswayer Chambotin. So we're actually starting in the north and going south. On the left is uphill. And uh, where you can see lots of very small uh, stripes, um, that becomes uh, Chambotin itself. The two big blocks are, are Camus blocks. On the extreme right, you'll get you're down to village vineyards. And this is about two thirds of what is the Sham part of Sham Chambotin. And you can see near the border with Mazoyer, there is a block of um, Denis Bachelet. Anything in red is what we're having today. Anything that's in blue are that interesting producers which who are next door. Then there must have been the Dugas family must have had a big block, which is sub- subsequently got divided. So there's uh, three small blocks making up P's holding, and three slightly bigger blocks for um, Claude Dugas. I left in the uh, seraphim because uh, next door to Bachelet, as I like Seraphim's wines. Then there is a narrow lane, and you go over um, that lane to Joseph Roti who's lower in the slope. That's his main block. And then you can see higher up there are two more low-on-the-slope blocks belonging to Bachelet and Roti. Um, so that just gives you an idea of uh how everything gets divided up in Burgundy, and also the fact that by chance our three producers. For the most part, uh, close to each other. So once we got the wines together, the way the tasting breaks down is, um, naturally, is to look at, um, first of all, the four younger vintages from Denis Bachelet. So we'll talk about him in detail. Then we've got um, the same two vintages, 05 and 10, uh, for Roti and Duga And I'll talk about those two domains there. And then I will leave you in peace to enjoy the older vintages uh, from a mixture of Bachelet and Roti 02 back to 91. So, um, first of all, Denis Bachelet, he was one of the very, very, very first producers uh, that I bought from in Burgundy. I bought his 1981 Chambotin, which is a ridiculously (laughs) indifferent vintage for most people. And Denis was aged 17 at the time, he was born late in 1963 um And uh, his grandfather had died in 1979. His father was living mostly in Belgium, but then he sort of came over and did the harvest. And a 17 year old, begin his luck maybe, made extraordinarily good wine in that very wet and difficult vintage. And it became an absolute favorite of mine. So I bought the 81, the 82, and the 83. The '83 subsequently got sent back by our customers because it was a year that was sort of full of rot that so wasn't all that obvious in the barrel tasting, but became obvious early on in the bottle. So most of it got sent back to us, and we refunded our customers. And there was a case of Chambertin that nothing really happened with, and obviously had no value as it being rejected. So I annexed it to myself, and it took about twenty years, and it became absolutely lovely wine. I've either got one bottle or none left um, now, but. Some, In some inexplicable way, it managed to eat up um, the rot, which was seemed to be so prevalent in the wine, and the fruit just t- took over. Uh, the DRC wines were criticised for having rot, and, and they turned themselves around. And also Armand Russo, one of his importers in the UK, rejected the whole allocation, sent it back, uh, or possibly didn't even take it, um, yeah, we're forgiven for that and we're allowed to have wines thereafter uh, but uh, again when I've had an 83 Rousseau since, somehow or other it seems to have come round uh, which is comforting. I'm not saying that in any of those three domains it is the ideal vintage for them but um, it was just a surprise that something that was quite so rotten could become good because if you go back that far, nobody had sorting tables and everybody just accepted whatever fruit they got as being the fruit of the vintage, and so you would make the wine with it, uh, rather than saying, "Okay, well, we'll separate out the good bits and throw away the bad bits." Um, that really didn't change. It ch- started changing during the '90s, and it was really at the end of the '90s that the majority of good demands had sourcing tables. Um, anyway, that's a, a, a diversion, and then um, the rest of the '80s. Then he was, and into the '90s, then he was making really beautiful wines. Um, They got a little bit less good for a couple of vintages when his his first marriage broke up. Um, The rest of the 90s then became very strong. Um, The style changed a little bit in the 2000s um, for two reasons, I think. One is, as we started to get into a period when the yields were uh, smaller than they used to be, uh, partly through climatic um, incidents, Um, then I think perhaps maybe extracted a little bit more um, uh, juice when pressing for example um, in order to up the volumes and the wines just became a little bit firmer a little bit more tannic took longer to come around and there was then a little bit of a blip that began in 2009 was all subsequent vintages were less affected but maybe through to 2013 you have an element of it when he got a bad batch of barrels from um, his regular um, barrel Cooper. Uh, and there are some off flavors, particularly in the O9s, which may or may not get eaten up as the fruit develops further. It may be the same story as in the rod. But um, I occasionally um, try an 9 just to see but at the moment, they're still showing it much less apparent in the 10. It's a little bit present in 11 and probably fading by 12 and 13. Um, And it is entirely attributable to bad barrels. In due course, he got rid of those barrels um, and thereafter, he's now been joined by his son Nicola, who's a great guy, um, and the wines, I think, are back in a really good place. And they've gone back to being a little bit juicier um, and uh, and sort of more fruit friendly, um, even in their youth. So we're going to have just one wine from after that little Interregnum, 2016, and then you've got three vintages from shortly before, which I think are all too young. Um, I mean, I used to get uh, some of all his wines every year. Nowadays, I just get a case each of the Bourgogne and the Chiffre. But even the Bourgogne Rouge from 2005, 2007, I think is probably too young to drink. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how the bottles which have travelled to you of the Champs-Champagne are showing. Um, I'll talk a bit more about the um, vineyard that he has. But have you got, do you have all four in front of you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Have you started tasting? If not, please do. Taste away. Um, I would have a sort of very quick taste of the four and then go back in and, uh, and spend more time with each of them. So <laughs> the bottles of almost all his cuvées, and it's genuine in each case, are labelled as Biavine. And the Charme Matar is uh, one of okay. the oldest. The younger vines are planted in the 1920s. And there are some vines going back to the 19th century. Um, All, all these producers have got brilliantly old vines uh, in their Sham Sharmattan plots. Oh, I've got my sheet of paper that reminds me what vintage it's you're drinking. Here we are. So 2016, you will remember uh, the year of the frost, um, and only one village really got spared, which was Moray-Saint-Denis. Um, lucky people, but uh, uh, otherwise, pretty much everybody got uh, got clobbered. Um, and uh, it didn't affect in the reds, I don't think that it affected the quality. Uh, but it did affect the the volume, obviously. And I remember it was it was pretty grim at the time, going into people's cellars and just seeing a couple of barrels for five or 10 would normally be and um, it's going to be the same with 2021, which I'm going to start tasting in detail next month. Um, of our three producers, Denny has the biggest holding of Chum Chambetat. It's still not enormous. He's got 0.43 um, of a hectare, which at a Grand Cru level might mean six um, six barrels a year, um, absolute maximum eight, but probably more like five or six in, in most vintages. Um,
1: i just going to see if
0: I've got a tasting note on my. I mean, here's mine. Um I won't have tasted any of these ultra recently. Um, so it will be interesting to get your feedback. Just having a look to see if I've if I've got a note on my site about um 2016. Um I should have done somewhere. Uh any feedback from from you, how it's showing today?
2: Sixteen shows that the change in style that you mentioned, Jasper. There's much, there's much more sort of sumptuous fruit, uh, yeah. especially with that, like the 08, uh, which is obviously a bit more sort of leaner, leaner, and um, probably a bit more black fruits. Very plushy. Um, mm-hmm. No, I absolutely love it, but it's that six sixteen shining through in it.
0: Yes. Um... I think the change in, 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 in Cooper, it's not just that he got let down by uh, the person who messed up the 2009 vintage, but what's also true to say is that uh, his new Coopers are amongst the best, uh, whereas the previous person wasn't. So he gets a bit from Rousseau the Cooper, uh, who are distant cousins, if at all, of, of the uh, wine-growing Rousseaus, and he gets some from Chassin, who's, who's deeply trendy, and um, that is one other, um, whose name currently is uh, who is who um, uh, Katia uses a lot of. Um, the wines used to be very much black fruit, but with such a sumptuous energy. I can't at the moment find a tasting note on the 2016, but um, never mind. Um, but um, I'm glad to see that he, he's, he's right back uh, where he ought to be. So then you've got 07, 08 and 05, we look at eight and seven together uh, as a pair because they're both not considered in the first rank um, you know, vintages, which made nice wines, eight, typically very pure, very clean, very Pinot, but lacking a bit of generosity. Um, I liked it when I last tasted it uh, November 2013, uh, as part of a Bachelet Chambetain vertical, put um, on by your Esteemed colleague Richard, who I think is not with you today, um, and uh, the um, O8 score, scored scored ninety two with three stars. And it's a very pure, very classic, uh, intense raspberry fruit. Not too dark. For, um, it was all about the elegance and the stylish. And I felt that it would be ready in the medium term. Um, the O7 was a bit more generous, was a bit more forward. Um, the oak was a bit prominent then, um, but it, I felt in twenty thirteen that it was approachable soon um so i'm expecting that to be not quite so powerful but with um still um yeah it should, it should be in a good place now any views on 08 and 07 seven's
2: quite sort of broad-shouldered for an 07 like you said it's um Surprisingly, still that it's drinking, but it's got a lot of years ahead of it. While I think the 08 still needs a little bit of time to unfurl a little bit, I do actually think the 08 to be exceptional. Um, yeah. the, the, but the 07 is surprisingly, you know, there's still a fair bit of muscle there. They're
0: both vintages which are sort of coming more into favour now that we've had all these hot, rich years when people want something which is more reminiscent of what they felt Burgundy they used to be like. Uh, then, then eight and seven are more in that camp. Uh, instead, you're not tasting it today. But uh, the 2006 was—I don't think you're tasting it. Are you? No, you're not. Uh, I thought the 2006 was was very successful uh, from from Denny. Uh, And then we have the '05, 5 which I imagine is still incredibly backward. Uh, It showed very well indeed at the vertical tasting in 2013, but was so useful then. Um, And, you know, we kept going back to it and and watching it not yet develop, um, which is pretty much characteristic of 2005s. I still think if you've got them in your cellar, you're much better off holding them for the medium or even long term future. Uh, So how is the 05 today? Pretty
1: tight, it's not opening up much.
0: Yeah, but does it indicate that it's really got the depth and concentration for the long term? I hope it does. Tightly coiled, is in my name? (laughs) Tightly coiled, there you go. Yeah, I mean, you know, that is typically my, my experience. And look, even the Bourgogne Rouge wines that I bought in 2005, most of those are still alive and kicking at 17 years old. Um, and I bought pretty widely in that vintage, and I'm just not especially tempted to um drink them yet. Um but I, I feel the same way about 99 and 96. I'm still keeping those. On the other hand, I am English and other other taste tastes do
1: apply. Jasper, I uh, taste DO5. I was expecting more concentration of fruit than I got. I agree with the guys that it's tightly cool. But it doesn't for me have that family suddenly, you know, it's all there, but it doesn't have that concentration of fruit that I expected from an 0
0: five. I mean, it's in the period when he was making wines that were a bit leaner and tighter and less sumptuous. Uh, but I'd be surprised if uh, the fruit doesn't emerge. Um, when you come to the 2002, um, later on, you've got a couple of those. Um, it's a vintage, which I, I believed in. I thought it was sort of like maybe across between 2008, 2010, but it was on the lean side until suddenly the moment came when it decided it was mature and ready to drink. And so- suddenly you found a level of velvet in the wine that hadn't been there before. And that's my belief that will happen with almost all O5s. And I'm hoping will be the case for the Bachelet, but as I'm not tasting it with you, um then i can't actually you know give an opinion on how the wine is showing uh for you today
1: jasper you did mention what change did he make in his making? i know he changed the barrels cooper but what what change happened between 05 and 16
0: i think that he st- started consciously trying to extract the wines less uh less punching down uh maybe less sort of aggressive pressing of the um of the solids at the end of the fermentation. Um, Incidentally, I haven't said, uh, but uh, the wines are completely destemmed. All his, uh, all three of our producers uh, today are destemmers 100%. So it's it's to do with the extraction and uh, or the pressing is the main part of it. And whenever I've been there at the harvest, uh, they're gorgeous looking grapes and small berries and small individual grapes. So you're going to get quite a lot of solid to, to to juice ratio. Um, and I think it's better if you just have a lighter hand. So, um, Alan Berger used to be sort of the, the poster boy for very tightly extracted wines. And, uh, more recently that domain, the wines have become much looser and softer. And Denny Bashley was very fruit forward, softer wines. And he, he rather went the other way.
1: These wines would
0: benefit from at least some stems being added. Um, I think the producer's got to feel comfortable with that. Um, He's not a noticeably late picker, and it's the late picking people who I think really need to have stems in their wines. Um, I think, um, now the wines have been opened uh, well in advance, but they won't have been decanted in, in Burgundian fashion. And if you were to serve this wine at home or have it in a restaurant then I would go against the uh, the standard advice not to decant red burgundy. I think at five, I would uh, probably decant. But ideally, I just wouldn't drink it for another five and probably 10 years. Okey doke. All happy. So um, in terms of pleasure, it sounds as though the 16 is the one that's giving most pleasure. Um, Would that be right? Yeah, it's the most, it's the most ready to drink. I mean, like the nose and the fall,
1: like it's, it's there. Like it's, it's surprisingly just, just, yeah. sexy sexy and just easier to drink.
0: Well, uh, in that case, enjoy. It's very possible that we'll close up uh, at a later date. Um, But uh, nonetheless, I mean, it is an indication of, uh, of a a slice. And I think probably welcome change in style. Um I mean Denny's wines used to be accessible reasonably early um and ones you made in the eighties and um much of the nineties they would still keep very well um but uh but they were accessible early and it was only late nineties and into the 2000s that I felt that um they really needed keeping in order to show their best merit. Uh, later on, I won't be staying with you all the way through. Um, I have to go and get another vaccination. We'll um, leave in about half an hour. Um, and uh, uh, but when you get to the older wines, um, 2002 I think should be ready. 1996. What I find with this vintage is it often shows a fraction of oxidation when you first o- open it which then blazes off, um, and that could be in a very good place. 93 should be absolutely lovely. And 91, a rare sighting of 1991, um, because that, again, was a big, badly frosted vintage. I haven't tasted the 91 for the longest time, so I I don't have a memory of of where that is. Um, Unless Richard brought it for our vertical, but I don't think he did. Um, Okay, so let's talk about the other two uh, producers. You're going to taste 10 and 5, so two great classic uh, vintages. 10 so suave and silky and uh, enjoyable young. Um, and actually, in many instances, I think beginning to reach, if not full maturity, but but, but heading in that direction. And then uh, two more fives. Um, <clears throat> so you can compare and contrast with your Bachelet O5, which would be really interesting. So Claude Dugas and Joseph Brutti. Um, Dugas, I'll start with, it's the domain I know least. Um, I go there and taste from time to time. They're not on my regular list. Um, so uh, uh, the really the person, I mean, the Dugas have been around for a long time. And actually, they are one of the families which have preserved very good vine material. So whether it's Dugas P or Claude Dugas, um, you get these lovely small bunches with tiny grapes. Um but uh something Claude Dugas said to me once is that uh uh he wants just as many bunches as uh, a greedy neighbor, but uh he wants to have half the total amount of fruit, just small bunches of perfect grapes. Um so anyway, uh they 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 uh, operate out of a wonderful old stone building called the Celier des Dimes, which was um built in 1219. So whatever 800 plus years ago. Um and some parts of it may be a lot older than that. And uh, anyway, um, Claude Dugas' father, Maurice, bought that in 1955, and they've been established there since. Claude is now retired, and uh, the next generation, um, his son Bertrand, with his sisters, uh, have taken over. And they <coughs> they do also a few negotial wines under a completely different uh, label. Um, it's a small domain anyway, and uh, it has... Three Grand Cru's with any tiny amounts, minuscule amounts of Chapelle Chambotin and Briot Chambotin, uh, and then 0.31 of a hectare, nearly a third of a hectare of the Charme. Um, I think all three of our growers are probably putting the Charme Chambotin 100% into new wood. It's the case here, usually the case at Roti, and if not completely, then at least. Um, the great majority of the barrels that Bachelet would be new wood each year. Um, it's destemmed again. Um, and uh, I mean this is a this is a super uh, uh, estate, which um I'm glad you've got a couple, but you uh, bottles, but you don't see it around very much uh, at all at all. So uh, then we have alongside that um Joseph Roti. I went once paced there when Joseph himself, who really is the, the family been around for a while, but he was really the creator who put the domain on the map, establish it. Uh, so they're now uh, half in Chevrolet champetown half in Marseille And the only appointment he would give me was at six o'clock uh, in the evening, and I got out about quarter past midnight in the end. Um, and though I was trying to spit things out, uh, our our host was very definitely not um, unfortunately, it did after a while affect his health, and he died young in 2008. And very sadly, um, his elder son, Philippe, died shortly afterwards uh, of um, uh, unpleasant cancer. And so it's the youngest um, uh, son, um, Pierre-Jean, who now makes the wines, assisted by his wife, his mother, his sister, uh, doubtless his children in due course. It remains absolutely a family um, business, and... I'm sure there' have been a few evolu- evolutions and modernizations, but the core is still to do it the way that Joseph Rossi did it um and you know they're not they're not looking at every uh, latest trend um though you know they're pretty keen to uh, improve steadily um what they're doing in the vineyards um and it's it's more in the winemaking where they stay as they were. They managed to keep old vines alive. Their Chambertin should be labelled très vieilles very old vines, and uh, basically it was planted in 1881. So uh, is up there with the um, Merceau-Serve du Clos from Arnaud-Onde and the uh, modern centenary Moulin-Vent of thibault lugier as just about the oldest vines that I know of from, from Burgundy. So 140 years old now.
1: Uh, which is pretty extraordinary. Jasper. Yeah. When you look at the wines, uh the, the, the clove here looks a lot older. Perfect. it? taste it, it does notice for me. It's just a darker, deeper colour and it's almost murky. But when you taste it, it's 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 more acidic and I'm getting a lot of acidity and sourness on the head mm-hmm. than I would expect for uh Again, I would expect it to be just a cleaner, brighter fruit. Is it just the
0: way he makes his wines? What you're saying is, isn't what I would expect. Um, he does have dark colored uh, wines typically, but I would expect something as recent as that to be fresher and juicier. And it's not a vintage which normally shows a vast acidity. Uh, do you have Sebastian there with you today? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Sebastian, so uh, what did you think? Did you taste the wine? What do
2: you think? So the roti has a lot more like flesh of fruit and it's noticeably juicier. Where the dugat is, you get a lot more. It's a it's a it's a drier on the palate. It's much it is much drier. I'm not sure if it's. I think it's stylistic more so than there might be a little bottle, a little effect the bottle, but I think it's more stylistic
1: um,
0: Yes, I mean you can get something which is not strictly speaking a, a definable fault, but is a bottle that is not showing as well as you would like. I would anticipate. Um, uh, a better result than that from that wine. It doesn't su- it's, it's not sounding like how I'd expect it to be. They are a reasonably extractive domain, and so is roti. Roti is definitely making wines for the long term, but I think there is normally such a depth of fruit in the roti wines that they can handle um, the level of extraction. um what about so so clearly a thumbs up for the roti over the Dugar in 2010 what's your impression in 2005? I should, to see if either of them is
2: any more generous than the Bachelet wine was? I think stylistically, the O5 to out is similar to the 10. Yes. I just think it, it, that the 10 is, again, in that stage where it's probably not showing, uh, you know, the, 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 fruit. It, the fruit is hidden at the moment, just going through that slightly numb stage.
0: Yes. Um, in the early days of the well-known 10-year-old tastings that Clive Coates and Becky Wasserman used to organise, we didn't have the Claude Dugar wines. We had the Dugarpi wines, and I used to find them over-extracted in a way that made them seem dried out, a bit ugly. And if you do over-extract, you can get a form of pinched acidity. Um, and our Dugard has progressed from there more recently, for sure. Um, and I don't have enough experience of the Claude Dugard wines wines um, to sort of suggest that the same might have been happening. Um, but it's, so- it sounds as though uh, of, of our three producers today, that um, he's slightly disappointed compared to the others.
1: I have to say I like the Denny start wines once I taste the far.
0: Right. Um, it'll be really interesting to see the older, older wines Ray uh, wines. Um, uh, when you get onto to those uh, a little bit later on. Um, I found t- I've only started tasting there consistently over the last three years. And I find the wines very intense, very backward. Um, but I, I have always felt that there's been enough generosity of fruit to, uh, to show through. It's a lovely old fashioned style of tasting, because at some point, mum will come in with a plate of uh, um, gougere, warmed up goujere for us to enjoy. And then sister will sort of poke her head around the doors, make sure everything's going well. Um, but as I say, uh, I, I need to get back and, and get Claude Dugar back on my uh, uh, established annual visits. May not be easy this year with the 21 vintage. Um, so the two 2010s compared to two 2005s do they seem to be well, um, that that bit more advanced, redier, uh and a bit more succulent and is, are the fives as backward as Denny Bachelet or are they a little bit more open? If
1: you give them blind, you're looking at you tasted them just that looking at the colour, the, the fives uh, taste look, and smell younger.
0: Yeah. I think a tasting would be fun to do. I've done it a couple of times and it is steadily um, confirming a view for me is to get the same, uh, do a tasting in which you've got pairs of wines, the nine and the 10 alongside each other and see how those two vintages come out because it's been fashionable to prefer 10 to nine. But I think 10s are reaching their good drinking point. And in some cases, I felt that they probably don't have that much more to deliver it's not well fall over quickly, but we're getting to the point at which you can see everything they have to offer. Whereas nines, um, which were very succulent to begin with, because it was a rich, warm, sunny year. But they're built around a massive block of granitic tannins. And then the tannins took over and really closed down the nines. Some are still closed, some are opening up. But when you have the two side by side, I think you can see a power and a debt in 09 which is going to keep those wines going for another 10 15 25 years and tens so though probably more enjoyable now uh i think are, are getting to the, the plateau when they're good to drink um uh or indeed uh put the fives in as well but uh, i i wouldn't i wouldn't waste the bottles of fives I would, i'd keep them back for longer um does the way I've described sort of the roti style, is that coming across in the wines? Yes. It sounded like a, a hesitant
1: yes, but... Uh, uh, a,
2: it's a very interesting
1: uh, floral note on, on
2: the aromatics
1: on the O5 roti. Yeah. It's
2: really, really flamboyant. But, uh, the other two are slightly more up. reserved. The O5 roti is a bit more, uh, bit more flamboyant
0: yes um is that the effect of, of truly ancient uh vines uh uh i don't know it could be um i mean obviously not every vine is back to 1881 because there will have been replacements for dead vines but that's when the plot was originally uh planted replanted uh phylloxera and it hasn't been there's been no wholesale planting since then um yeah so that that's sort of about right um yeah um he goes for he goes for a lot of um the punching down which is uh let people have moved away from in these warm yep. years um but that's what what sort of builds some of the power behind the wines and the extract but um as i say i think uh, i i think it works and if that flamboyance is there uh, uh all to the good Jesper, are any of them biodynamic? No, I have a feeling that one of them I think at um, Claude Dugas, he made some experiments in that direction, and then decided he didn't really want to sort of continue all the way through. Um, Denis is not certified organic, but um, may retain the right for the occasional treatment but the the vines are really meticulously looked after he's one of those domains where he he and his wife and son and the team they're out there in the vineyards as much as they um, possibly can be um, roti i'm not uh, sure what their practice is but i don't think that they are um certified for anything i i, I, I would i wouldn't criticize the farming of, of any of the three I think they're, they're all amongst the really serious people Good um well that's the first eight wines you have eight more uh to enjoy which I will leave you in a few minutes uh, to do so um I, I, I because most of them if not all of them almost all of them, are uh, repeat vintages in which you've got Bachelet, 0 02, 96, 93, 91. Roti, you've got 93 and 91. And I'll be really fascinated afterwards to hear, hear uh, what you say. Um, and then you've also got a 99, uh, Roti, Sham, Chambutan. You know, that's a vintage that's never really closed down and gone tight and ugly, but nor has it finished maturing, I don't think. Um, long, long time ahead of it um a good sunny summer big crop for some critics they feel the crop is a tiny bit too big but I don't really ever find any dilution in them. so I think that should be uh, rather exciting um So what I might suggest is um if you want to maybe serve at least the O2s, uh, I'll stay with you for those and then leave you in peace to enjoy your uh dinner with the rest of the wines. Um, I don't know how that works from a service point of view. Otherwise, do you have any more questions you'd like to ask about the wines we've tasted so far or Chambattana in general?
1: Yeah, Jasper, has has the style of um, Caudillard
0: and like Roti also changed? Like, you know, in recent vintages? Because like, you know, so so we have
1: Denise's like you know, in 2016, but we don't have like, you know, more vintage you know, ones.
0: No, Roti has not changed. Uh, obviously. And a rich or hotter vintages may have may have slightly changed things, but there has been no intention of change. And that Claude Dugas, I would say it was evolution with the um new generation, um, but not not a revolution of any sort. They are still being made broadly in the same style, um, but I think possibly with slightly more generosity of fruit and, and slightly less extraction. Um sure. But no, the, 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 there's no sea change uh, going on at all. Um, maybe I'll just run down some other people whose sham I like very much indeed. Um, uh, I don't know if any of you have got them. You've got um, um Reb also may be becoming interesting because there, there's been a complete change of generation and half ownership. Now half owned by, the, um, by Martin Wieg. Uh, and uh, since 18, well, probably 19 would be the first genuinely new vintage. Uh, they're becoming interesting. Domaine Arlo, A-R-L-A-U-D, and Maurice Saint-Denis, I think, make uh, lovely wines. Um, I'm just scrolling down. Obviously, Domaine Le Vouchere. Those are in Maswayer, but they're really old vines. And uh, we've got a, a Vouchere, uh event coming up on the 5th of October. Du uh, Du I love. Uh, obviously that's almost entirely a uh, whole bunch as indeed um, uh, Voucheret is very much a uh, whole cluster whole bunch. Uh, so that will be a different style. Uh, Arno Morte, under his own label rather than any more Mortet label uh, is right. very impressive. Durache, but it's it's a small vineyard. It's, well, for them it's a big vineyard. It's 0.41, but, but still not very much. Um, those would be some of the ones I would particularly look out for.
1: Jasper, the o have all just been oh, or for everyone.
0: You have them and how are they?
1: I love the best on the nose.
0: It's actually a vintage piece that I've drunk a lot of because I absolutely love it. I haven't quite run out yet, fortunately. Um, um, but it's just been gorgeous all the way through. This is a vintage which I've always been very keen on without claiming it to be a great vintage. Um, I used to describe it as sort of an 8 out of 10 vintage, but I really like all those 8 points, whereas you can have some others which are higher rated, but um, but you're not quite personally so attuned to them. But I do like O2. Um, isn't that what we really want? And I suspect it's been missing a little bit from many of the wines so far, but you just want that ethereal perfume the second it's poured. I mean, it's always wonderful during a tasting when you have that moment of real excitement at some point, Uh, and it sounds like it's there. That's good to know. Unless there's another question, I think I will leave you to enjoy that wine and the the rest of the tasting and your food, uh, and I shall go off and get myself vaccinated. But uh, it's been... Great pleasure to be with you again. And we have a big program which Michael has put together for uh, October, November, December. And uh, uh, I look forward to joining you again and maybe next year
1: in real life. Hope so. Thank you, you, Jasper. Thank you, you. Jasper. Okay, everybody. Enjoy.